Well, hello, everybody. Welcome. Yes, I'm feeling much better. Nice to see everybody. Penny Van. Hello there, Nada Decker. Welcome, welcome. Roger Blair, Gary and everybody. How you doing there, Mr. Decker? Hey, I'm doing all right. Doing all right. Had a fun, busy week. My sister was down in Florida with her uh, three offsprings, and we had quite a busy week, so I'm kind of resting up from that. Next week, I got another sibling coming down with his offspring. So I uh, got some busy times coming up, but it's good to spend time with family. You know, it's good times. Absolutely. Don't forget, ladies and gentlemen, we are affiliates with USCCA Concealed Carry. Uh, I sent the link out in our uh, comments. Uh, you get a free map for the United States about concealed carry laws. Uh, it is free. Uh, we do get uh, credit for that uh, to the channel, so make sure and sign up. If you know anybody that uh, does uh, in some firearms enthusiasts, please make sure they get the link. And also, ladies and gentlemen, uh, I get to chime in on last week's show because I was not able to. So, <laughs> red circles. I don't like them. I always said that. You don't need <laughs> circles. So... Nope. I've been saying this for three and a half, four years. I think the presentation was pretty well established. However, I got Jeff Melbourne to give his opinion too about this topic. And it's about 40 seconds long. So, and action here, ladies and gentlemen. I can't anybody takes that seriously. It, it's, it's an enhancement. Well, it's not even an enhancement. It's, a, it's an embellishment. It, this is grain film. This is not digital. And even if we're digital, it'd be the same principles. If you enlarge something beyond the, uh, a reasonable resolution in, the, within a digital image, it becomes pixelated, right? So it, it can't resolve anything below the resolution of the pixel density. So with film, it cannot resolve anything beyond the fineness, the resolution of the, of the level of fineness of the grain. So ladies and gentlemen, I've been saying this for years. I had a professional photographer mm -hmm. tell me the same thing. Megapixels, different cameras, different settings. When you blow stuff up, it cannot zoom in like on film. Why do you think military had special cameras that they would use magnifying glasses to spy on North Korea, China, Russia, and the spy planes? And they would have these long 400 feet films, rolls of film, 16 inches wide, with magnifying glasses on a table to magnify that image. Because you can blow up that image because it's not digital. When you take a digital image, that image is put together by pixels, not film. This is where pareidolia comes into play and people start to see things that are not there. So, hello, Tio Rio, Waltus, hello. But I just wanted to play that because when he got asked this question, he laughed. Because basically, mm -hmm. if you go out there and watch his interview, he's basically telling everybody they're crazy. And people, ladies and gentlemen, I'm telling you, people are getting made fun of behind their backs because they think they are seeing something that's not there. And I'm not trying to embarrass anybody. I'm not trying to call anybody out, but the fact is a fact. 
Mm-hmm. In this ludicrousy of 15 Bigfoot in a damn bush is crazy. So, absolutely. But I just want to. And, and it, it's a, it, it goes back to the idea that a lot of older researchers, I say older as in a lot of experienced researchers in the field, have this idea that people are coming in and they're, they're kind of trying to reinvent the wheel. Right. It's like they're coming in and trying to say, well, look at all this and look at all that. And it's like, well, wait a minute, guys, you need to catch up to where we are in the research field. If you're going to come in and be a researcher, right, do your due diligence, find out what's going on, learn these things, talk to the older guys that have have experienced that looking at actual film versus digital pictures. I mean, there's differences. Talk to the people that have already gone through all this stuff and we've made our mistakes and then we had our, our bouts of extreme enthusiasm without backing it up, you know, and, and, and try and get on to that same page. And then a lot of this stuff, we won't have to be rehashing over and over again. Well, you got you know? different people. And you got talked about it several times. Better. You got the people that know yep. better that taking advantage of people, trying to convince people that there's something there when there's nothing there. Absolutely. And it's working. Absolutely. And so anyway. it's the same thing with, not just with pictures, but with going over some of the older stories and, and uh, you know, not following the, the research all the way to its conclusion. Um, and I'm not saying, you know, we don't need fresh eyes because fresh eyes are very important when it comes to research and field work and stuff. But you also have to have an understanding to go with it. You know, I mean, that, that's just kind of how it is. Um, all right. Yeah, so Penny, we'll- I'm with you. Like, I'm the type where... If I, I don't see pictures very well, I don't know what it is, something in my brain, it doesn't work. So it, I'll just tell people I'm not saying there's nothing there. I'm just saying I can't see it. And if I can't see it, then it doesn't count as evidence because that means other people won't be able to see it either. All right. One more time, ladies and gentlemen. I want to make sure everybody hears it from Jeff. <laughs> Dr. Meldrum. Anybody takes that seriously. It, it's, it's an enhancement. Well, it's not even an enhancement. It's a it's an embellishment. This is grain film. This is not digital. And even if we're digital, it'd be the same principles. If you enlarge something beyond the uh, a reasonable resolution in the, within a digital image, it becomes pixelated, right? So it, it can't resolve anything below the resolution of the pixel density. So with film, it cannot resolve anything beyond the fineness the resolution of the of the level of fineness of the grain there we go ladies and gentlemen so. yeah yeah i've met dr meldrum he's a great guy i got to speak to him at the gallenberg conference uh not last year but the year before for a few minutes behind the scenes and help him pack up his stuff and, and he was just a really fun guy to talk to a great guy but it's also a great segue into what I want to talk about tonight. Um, this one isn't going to be a really fun and exciting and, and sexy episode. Uh, I don't have any good guests or cool stories, but we are going to talk about research. And this is something that's very near and dear to my research. It's the direction that I'm looking at when it comes to my theories based on, on all this stuff. Because as we know, I'm not just a Bigfoot researcher. I'm a 14 researcher. I research all kinds of phenomenon. Um, and that's why it's paranormal and cryptic rabbit holes. 
But the, the big thing going around is this idea of frequency and vibration and sound waves and ultra low frequency and all this kind of stuff. Um, so where does that fit into this kind of a research, right? Because this is cutting edge, like thought process. This is next level. And what, what kind of spurred me on to do it this week, there's been a video going around and I saw it and then uh, Jennifer sent it to me or told me about it of supposedly there was this guy on TikTok who had a tone generator hooked up to his computer and had like, it looked like one of those echo dot speakers on his bed. And he was playing a specific tone, which was 528 megahertz. And according to this video, it showed a portal opening up over his bed to, and he claimed it was to Sedona. And I did a little research into it because at first that's what I was going to talk about was this, was this video. But when I did research into it, I found a lot of discrepancies. And I really didn't feel like putting the time and effort into going through what on its surface was looking like a hoax kind of a thing. But it got me back into thinking of frequency and vibrations and what is possible, what isn't possible, and how it applies to this field, right? I don't have the video queued up. I wasn't sure how it would do as far as what I'm allowed to show and what not to show. Um, it was just, it was very interesting, but the way he explained it wasn't how things would work. It was just, like I said, there's a lot to it. The guy supposedly went missing after that video, and he'd been missing for years. But then when I went to it, I found new videos that had been posted under his account. So there was, there was just a lot to unpack there. Um and I thought maybe it would help to start with the idea of frequency and vibration, because I talk a lot about that. Um, it's used a lot when we're talking about psychic phenomenon, uh, mediums, when we're talking about uh, Bigfoot using ultra low frequency for zapping people. We've talked about that. So different things like that. But a lot of people out there are throwing these terms around and really don't know what it is they're talking about. People talk about uh, using vibrations and tones to move the, the stones of the pyramid as a possible way they were able to transport these, you know, massive, massive rocks, you know, tons and tons. But do we have an understanding of how that is possible or what's going on? So that's kind of what I wanted to talk about tonight. Kind of a, a frequency vibration 101 kind of a thing. So you can have an understanding what people are talking about. And so we can kind of dismiss certain things that may not be applicable or we could look at what is going on. And I was really excited during my research. Even today, I was finding new breakthroughs in this understanding and this technology where even a few years ago, what wasn't possible has now been discovered is possible under the right circumstances. So it was really exciting. Like I said, this, this idea and then really came about like in Ron Moorhead's book, quantum Bigfoot, like quantum mechanics, this is all part of, and this is what we're talking about. So what is frequency? What is vibration? How is this measured? Like, like how, what can we do with this? Right? Because this is hard science, this stuff we can track, we can measure it. There's tools out there. There's instruments there's science behind it. And I think that's important when we start looking at some of this stuff. Okay. 
So uh, frequency is basically the rate at which a vibration occurs, and it occurs in two states, either in a mechanical state or an electromagnetic field. Those two things are, are very important in how we differentiate between the two. Vibration is defined as the periodic motion of a particle in alternately opposite directions from its possession, uh, position of equilibrium. So basically, you have a flat line, and vibration means it's, it's going up and down. It's all the same. That's what vibration is. Frequency is how often something vibrates. Okay? And it's measured in hertz, which is how many times the wavelength passes a single point in one second. So if you measure from the top of the wave to the top of another wave, it passes a point one second, that's one hertz. So that's your basic units, okay? And then you got to think of what is the relation of energy and vibration? Where does this come from? We say that the law of vibration is everything vibrates. Everything has a frequency. Everything has a vibration. But where does that come from? And if we get down to the quantum level, quantum physics, quantum mechanics talks about how we have protons and electrons and neutrons in our atoms, right? And where this is coming from is the reaction between the electrons going around the protons. It creates electromagnetic field, which in turn creates the vibration of the atoms. So that is basically the, the originator of vibrations in all stance of matter is on an atomic level, on that, that quantum mechanics level. Okay. And... That's important to understand, too, because we have the mechanical wavelength. So now we're talking sound is one of the, the basics for those kind of wavelengths. And what that is, is a mechanical wavelength has to go through a medium, right? So it's a wave that goes through air or goes through water or goes through the ground. You can feel it. Okay, so that is a mechanical, but electromagnetic wavelength is going to be light. And the difference between an electromagnetic wavelength is it can go through a vacuum as well as through a medium, which is why light can travel through space, but sound can't. All right, so that's that's the big difference in the two types of waves. And what's interesting and where things get get funky is how they interact and how our body perceives them okay um we're gonna kind of lean into the direction of bigfoot right now because a big thing with bigfoot is uh, like we said ultra low frequencies which are sound waves and pressure waves that we feel that he admits and it can cause certain feelings getting zapped okay that sounds like it's completely fictional it sounds like a complete woo thing but it's not. It's actual science. It's bioacoustic science. And it, it's such a reality that our military has harnessed this technology for weapons. I don't know if you guys know that, but that is a real thing. That is not a conspiracy thing. They can make targeted sound waves and literally shoot people with them to cause adverse effects. They use them uh, for crowd disbursement. 
you know. Right. Sound, sounds and audio. Basically what it is, it's how our body interprets those waves. Right. And we'll, we'll get into that a little bit, too, with some of the research that's going on. But it's more than just how our body interprets it. it our bodies can can feel these waves. And there's been a lot of research done on full body vibration or whole body vibration. They call it WBV. And I have a, a friend of mine who's who's military. And he confirmed over in the Middle East when he was there in his tours, they would use these weapons to great effect. And, and they cause a lot of internal issues. If you do any research on the zapping phenomenon, you will see that generally what you experience is you normally get a headache. You generally feel nauseous. A lot of times you will feel a burst of fear or un, uneasiness. That's not like something you should be feeling. There's really nothing to be afraid of. It just kind of hits you. A lot of times you will feel very sleepy to the point where you need to go take a nap right away. And then one effect that we have found um, for extreme zapping, I guess you would put it, is blood in the urine. It actually affects your kidneys. And these are all effects of ultra low frequency targeted radiation. This is a legitimate scientific thing. That has been reported in Bigfoot before the military even really came out and said we use this or before it actually came out. It's a legitimate thing. And it kind of got me researching into the idea uh, that Bigfoot can manipulate sound waves and ultra low frequencies like this. Can it do the same with light waves? Right. So we're going to go down the rabbit hole of Bigfoot cloaking. What mechanisms could be used to make that happen? Right. And it's to me, it's lazy research to just be like, um, they just go invisible. Yeah, but there's got to be a mechanism to that. Oh, well, they just pop in and out of existence. Well, that's not generally scientifically based. So let's see if we can't come up with something a little more specific, you know. And a big part of that is people talking about, well, they vibrate at a, at a specific frequency. But the problem with that comes in where that would be a physical vibration like sound as opposed to an electromagnetic vibration like a radio wave. Brian, you're, you're absolutely right. Sonar testing. Um, and that's exactly what happens with it because they're, they're, shooting uh, mechanical waves through the water, which is the exact same thing that the whales and dolphins and, and they use as well. You know, how do we know it's, it's not an ultra high frequency because there's, there's different effects with it. And ultra high frequency is not something that is generally found in animals as far as in, in biological entities. Um, it could be ultra high frequency mixed with a couple other things, but the effects are definitive of the ultrasonic and not infrasonic, uh, j just by the effects that we get. So that leads to the idea that it's ultrasonic. 
ultrasonic guys being on the low end, like ultraviolet is on the low end of the visual spectrum. So very, very low frequency as opposed to infrasonic, which would be very high frequency. And they have different effects. And that's another thing that as we study into vibration technology and how it works is a big part of it. Um, so one of the things that I was looking into was can sound waves affect what we see? Okay, so maybe this cloaking ability, as our friend Matt Sieber, who was on a, a while back, talked about maybe there's something to do with the the ULF, the ultra-low frequencies it puts out that makes them cloak. They're still there. We just can't see them. And that was one of those areas where people are going, hey, this isn't possible because our eyes are attuned to the light frequency, which is the electromagnetic frequency. And you can't really manipulate that that way, as we know. But there has been some research done where the sound waves have been able to affect what we see, how we view things. And they even were doing a, a test. Uh, and understand this research is in its infancy. This is stuff that's literally been done uh, within the past six months that it's been published. So it's all like really new stuff. But they have had success in using sound waves to stimulate the optic nerves in rats. Meaning they can use sound to provide an actual visual picture to blind rats. So there is evidence out there that using sound waves can affect what we see and how we see. Now that, that there is a bit of a jump from a Bigfoot cloaking, you know what I mean, to making a blind rat see a, a light spot, but it proves that it is scientifically possible for sound waves to interfere our, our visual perception. And there was a couple of uh, things I wanted to show here real quick. The first one is an understanding of how waves work and what the differences are. And I found this first one really interesting. Uh, because one of the areas that got me interested in researching sound waves and the such is this bottom one. So this is how uh, mechanical waves operate through a medium, right? So basically the vibrations go through the water, through the air, through the ground, through the top of the table when you smack it in a vertical motion like this, up and down. And then the bottom one shows electromagnetic fields. So the electrical field is the red and it works in a vertical plane, but the magnetic field works on a horizontal plane and then they work together to create the electromagnetic field. What I found interesting about this, when I first started studying vibrations and frequencies and different things that you can do to manipulate them and manipulate the world around you, is I came across the Coral Castle. That's here in Florida. I don't know if you guys have ever looked into the Coral Castle. I absolutely find it fascinating. In the late 1800s, a Latvian immigrant by the name of Ed came to this country and decided to build himself a castle. Now, it's not really made out of coral. It's limestone, but Coral Castle just sounds cool. This guy who 
was a laborer. His father, his parents were like stonemasons and he was just a laborer managed to build this fabulous building using massive limestone blocks that he carved directly from the ground himself with no modern tools. He, he didn't, he didn't even own a car. Right. But he was able to do it and he wrote some pamphlets and had a diary and, and it's still a mystery to this day how he was able to do it. And the only thing he would tell people is he knew the secrets of the pyramids and how things worked. And once you know that you can do these great things. The, the biggest mystery of it was the gate. He, he had this massive gate tons that weighs tons and he was able to balance it precisely on a fulcrum carved out of one giant stone and you could literally walk up to it and push it open and it would just swing open and swing closed. It was perfectly balanced. And to this day, they really don't know how he was able to do it. But I came across the webpage and I tried to find it. And mind you, this was probably 25, 30 years ago. And it was talking about how this one guy was trying to decipher and figure out what was going on. And he believed he figured it out. And what he explained back then was what we're seeing in this bottom picture. How there are waves that operate on a vertical plane. But there's also waves that operate on a horizontal plane. And that was a key that science was missing. That there are other waves that operate on a horizontal plane that we don't know about yet. And he believed, this researcher believed that that was the key to everything. And that's what he was going for. So when I saw this, this diagram, you know, this little motion picture here, I was pretty excited about it. Uh, because it's literally showing what this guy was talking about, just only in the electromagnetic field. And so what this guy postulates, and, and I think it's accurate, is as time goes on, we're going to discover there are other wave phenomenons out there, and we're going to use this technology. Now, a lot of this technology is already being used in quantum physics. And it's fascinating when you go in and read the stuff that they do, and... I was getting into some really heavy articles today and it made my head hurt a little bit. Um, but basically they're, they're starting to find ways to combine uh, the mechanical waves like sound waves with the electromagnetic waves like light waves and, and make them interact because previously it was thought they weren't, it wasn't possible. It wasn't possible. There's a phenomenon out there called uh, wave interference, which is essentially when you have two vibrational waves meeting each other, how do they correspond? How do they interact, right? And again, this was something that I was familiar with from early on when I was in high school. Uh, I was in choir class. You know, we did a lot of singing, right? Because choir class. But we were taught about this phenomenon where you can play two separate notes and a third note could be heard that was not part of the original notes, but it was based on how the vibrations were interacting with each other. They would create another third note. Okay. And so a lot of scientific experiments are based on shooting vibrations at each other. And how do they interact? 
Um, and this is where the idea of resonant frequency comes from. And this is where you hear about, uh, like if you go on YouTube and look up green wave sound, brown wave sound, right? They're playing notes at a specific frequency and it's supposed to resonate with you and, and can calm you down or give you energy or do all these different things. Um, yeah, Crypto Cowboy says they can cancel each other out at times. That is absolutely true. You can make a dead space where there is no sound by bouncing specific waves at each other. And, and it's fascinating science. It really is. Like, I was really getting into it. Um, so wave interference is a really big thing that they do in research. This is where uh, harmonics come in. Right. So harmonics is when you have multiple waves and they're uh, uh, multiples of each other and whole numbers or integral numbers with each other, um, all these different things. Um, and what I was really kind of going for was what is what is happening with the future of this research? Um, and if you get into vibration, it's really interesting because what I found was there is no one specific science that studies all vibration or all frequency there is uh like visual studying the light frequency um there is specific studies where how sound can translate to visual um and a good symbol or a good illustration of that is if you ever seen what they call vibration plates where they put sand on it and vibrate them and they create all these amazing patterns uh that that's a way of the transferring they're working on generators that can produce electricity from sound and all these things. A um, couple articles that I found that I thought was really interesting. And this was um, from physicsworld.com. If you want to look it up, it was an article January 30th of 2023. And this goes into the, the Bigfoot cloaking idea. It says scientists have now been able to alter light waves using sound waves. Ordinarily, uh, light transmits the same in both directions, uh, but they've been able to alter how that works, right? So the idea is if I can see you, you can see me, right? If, if me and Grizzly are, are there looking at each other, we can see each other, but they have been able to screw that up using sound waves and i think that is a good precursor of what we're talking about here as a possibility of using science as a way of understanding some of, of the paranormal world and how bigfoot could cloak and i'll just show you this real quick so you can see it and this is what they're they're talking about here Okay, so if we look, this would be one view through the tube, and this is the other view. So even though the light is shooting through it, it's coming out different on both sides, and they're using sound waves uh, within the cone to, to alter the way the light waves are working. And like I said, this was just released a few months ago. This is not science that we have known, and so if you do do a search for it, you're going to find, oh, it's not possible. It's not possible, but it is possible. This is what this is showing. And I, I think as serious researchers, 
we need to be looking not just to to explain the unexplainable with the unexplainable, which is a definition of, of how woo and paranormal people kind of work. We need to try and, and use science to help us understand what's going on. Now, I'm a big believer that science has its limits. I think science is a tool to help us understand the world around us. I don't think it's the end all be all of knowledge. I don't believe that at all. Um, it's just like, I'm not going to use a thermometer to try and figure out how much light is coming into my room. Right. Or I'm not going to use a ruler to tell me how hot it is out. It's the wrong tool for the wrong thing. And I think we need to be careful with science, but we can still use science as an understanding of how things are working. Uh, that specific journal, uh, the one I showed the graphic to, is that the one you're asking about? Yes, I think so. The graphic was at physicsworld.com. I don't know if it, it's a specific journal, but I know they published this article. The lady that published the article um, has a master's degree. Um, let me pull it up real quick. She has a master's degree in advanced materials and a PhD in magnetism. Uh, she has 10 years experience in science writing and editing on condensed matter physics relating to technology, nanotechnology, biotechnology, astronomy, and astrophysics, energy, and the environment, biology, and medicine. Uh, so the lady that wrote this article uh, is quite quite degreed herself with an understanding, and you can really get into it. Um, and there, there's a lot to it, but it's fun. It's really interesting. Um then that got me into going, what else, what else is being done on the quantum level? Because like I said, the, the true understanding is, is realizing where this energy comes from. And it's kind of interesting because electromagnetic fields produce the vibrations, but the electromagnetic fields also come from the rotation of neutrons and electrons. It is where it all begins on that subatomic level. And I came across some research where they are also producing light and heat using sound waves as a catalyst. And this goes into, again, we don't understand the applications of it all yet, but it's new cutting edge research. And what they're doing essentially is taking a gas bubble and they're hitting it with some hardcore sound waves. And I'll read, read it to you here out of the way it explains. A gas bubble is imploded with high-pressure sound waves. At the end of the implosion process and for a short time afterward, conditions of high density and temperature are achieved that lead to light emissions. So what that means is they're able to hit an actual gas bubble. So uh, think of just boiling water on a stove and it produces the bubbles okay when one of these bubbles forms and i don't know exactly what mediums are using so that, that's just an analog they'll hit it with these sound waves and the bursting of the gas bubble with the sound waves is producing temperatures that are only found on the sun 
it's that intense. When, when they talk about intense heat and light, they're talking about extreme, extreme heat and light using sound waves and only sound waves as a catalyst like that. So there is definitely something to this idea of frequency and vibrations. There is no reason that that can't be used to explain what's happening in different ways. And this applies to, like we talked about tonight, the Bigfoot phenomenon and different aspects to it. But the same principles that they're finding uh, focused on, on light and light spectrum can be used for things like, like ghosts or shadow men or all these other different things that we experience in the, the 14 world. Let me see. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Paranormal. That's perfect. I'm glad you're on and you can say it like this is a legitimate thing. And they're finding there's so many weird things that happen when you start playing around with different frequencies and, and how they interact and this and that. They talk about the God frequency. They talk about um, resonating frequency. Like, like we all know about the idea of a, a, a wine glass shattering when the opera lady sings the right note, right? That is a real phenomenon. That is resonance. And they're, they're also using ultrasonic waves in medicine. If you ever had kidney stones, they can take an ultrasound machine and break up those kidney stones while they're in your kidney. That is a medical procedure. That is a full thing. And to me, like, like that sounds cool. Like, that's great. They can do that. But what else can be done with that technology? We don't know. We don't know. And what can be done to manipulate how our body perceives those waves? Right? So maybe Bigfoot doesn't disappear. Maybe he doesn't actually go invisible or cloak. He's still standing right there. He just screwed with your perceptions of him. And as I believe Cryptic Cowboy said earlier, you know, our perception is what matters, right? I used to say this all the time as a restaurant manager, perception is reality, right? Just because you went to the bathroom and washed your hands and you came back out and started cooking right away, that customer that sees you leaves the bathroom and starts cooking doesn't know you washed your hands. So in his reality, you just went from the bathroom to cooking without washing your hands, Right. So that was their perception. And that's what they're going to call and complain about. That's going to keep them from ever coming back. Whether that's what really happened or not doesn't matter. That's their perception. That's their reality. You know, so what if there there is that thing? What if the ultrasound, whatever frequency they can put out, does cause us. Sorry, I was reading the comment there. Um, to not see them, to not see them. And as I was pondering on that, something that I thought was really interesting, uh, you know, we always talk about art imitating life, or if you're into the conspiracy theory, the idea that they'll put ideas out in movies and shows and we'll think it's crazy, but it's actually the truth, right? We've all heard, heard those theories. They're putting it right there. 
there was an X-Files episode talking about a uh, prisoner of war in Vietnam. And he learned the secret of the, the Viet Cong on how to appear invisible to the people. And it had something to do with basically creating an actual blind spot on your eye. And then you just couldn't see him if you looked directly at him. What if that's a legitimate technology? What if that's a real thing? Not necessarily in that way, but the idea of it and how it works, you know? Yeah. How many people think they saw something nearby and wasn't sure? Or how many times have we heard this person saw it and this person didn't? You know? Yeah. Mid Midwest Night Watchers. That, that is an, an idea. And that's a mystic idea that comes from, you know, the monks and, and a lot of people, the idea that if you can match energies or you understand energies, then you can manipulate it. Um, there, there's a book that I've read called Becoming Supernatural. And in the intro part of it, it talks about the, this guy that was all into um, that kind of philosophy and, and changing his own beliefs and then all this kind of stuff where he went he was with his students in a cave and he literally put his hand up to the wall of this cave the solid rock and his hand melted into it and it left a handprint there and they say if you go today that handprint is still there and it's all based on the exact same thing um, i personally hold the belief that ancient man worked on this technology i believe they were very technologically advanced but i believe that their tech was based on vibrations and frequencies as opposed to our tech which is mostly based on um electronics and newtonian science i think there's a huge difference they were just as advanced but they were advanced differently and i think there is enough evidence and and the old structures that that was there we have all these questions how did they do this how did they cut like with lasers how do they move these massive multi-ton blocks how did they build the pyramids well there is research going into the pyramids that they are basically giant resonating chambers and they were used to produce uh, free energy and power to the people now it's controversial science absolutely it is am i, am I saying that's what it is i don't know but there is research that indicates that that is a possibility. They use the combination of chemical reactions and acoustics to produce energy. So it's really not that far-fetched. We just have to understand kind of how it works and what is, is possible, right? Uh, one of the things we will talk about is this idea of emotions giving off frequencies. Now, that is something that is not really hasn't been shown to be be scientifically feasible yet um i was trying to figure out how they've done it what they've done with it and right now it's all conjecture and theory but what they have shown is that certain sounds certain specific frequencies do affect our brain electromagnetically so if they plug an eeg up to you and they produce certain sounds for you your brain will respond in a, a predictable specific pattern and you will feel the emotions along with those, which is where they're tying 
emotions and with the electrical impulses within our brains. But you can also postulate on the inverse of that. If pushing those frequencies in can cause specific feelings, and the idea would be those specific feelings that you generate would also push a frequency out. The problem is that we don't have anything that would measure whatever kind of energy that is. Right. It's not like it's a sound wave. It's not like it's light energy or electromagnetic energy in and of itself. And so I think those tools have yet to be developed that can really lead us into that. Right now, it's pure conjecture. There is no specific instrument or tool or way of measuring. Like if you're sad, this is the frequency that it puts out. And I know there's a chart out there and I was looking at it and it sounds good but there's literally no actual evidence of exactly how that works. Um, but this is stuff that is coming up in this field of research. And this is where I think it's important where if we are researching these things, we need to have an understanding of the science that would go behind these things and not, not to negate, but to support, right? How many times do we hear we need more scientists digging into Bigfoot? or digging into parapsychology or all these other things, well, this these are the areas where that could advance, right? So these are the things that we can look to. Yeah, it is, it's all about quantum, quantum mechanics. That's exactly what it's all about. And that's what we're finding more and more of. It's that relation because the rules are different. What they're finding they can do on a quantum level they are trying to figure out how to do it on a larger scale where we can actually kind of see it and interact with it. Um, and that we can get into all kinds of stuff on that quantum entanglement and all these different things, but it's just different rules of how it works. Um, right. Exactly. That's, that's the idea. Uh, Pixie is that we, as, as humans, have specific vibrations as well and it's a range and certain people within certain ranges will pick up vibrations or energy fields which is all vibration anyway it's all frequency from other people and and that is the idea behind how empathy works how telekinesis works how um you know clairvoyance all these kinds of things because everything is creating these energies and it's just a matter of how perceptive are we to that? And we can experience that in our daily lives. We really can. They always use the example of if you're in a crowded room, but you can like feel somebody looking at you and you can look up and find who they are. You can see that, feel that person looking at you. And it's exactly the same concept. We just have no way of measuring it at this point. Exactly. Just like, just like Ron Moorhead talks about quantum mechanics explains everything. We just don't know enough yet in quantum mechanics to explain anything what's that well kind of <laughs> but if if everything is on a vibrational plane and a frequency cryptic cowboy we should be able to also manipulate it eventually uh time is based on on light and frequency anyway um because time is fluid. They've, they've proven this on the fact where if you have 
uh, a watch on Earth and a watch way up in space that'll end up flowing at different times and they will not be coming back at the same times anymore. So time is kind of relative. Um, space is a little different. You're right. Quantum mechanics proves that light is not the fastest thing. That is absolutely true. There are things faster than light um, because things can be almost simultaneous or simultaneous as we can perceive them with our current instruments, which is where the idea of quantum entanglement and all that kind of stuff comes in. Uh, but I really just wanted to try and get us an understanding of what we're talking about when we start talking about vibrations and frequency and energy levels and all this. Uh, there's a lot to it. There's a lot of hard science to it. And what we're finding in science backs up, backs up the theories that we're talking about when it comes to Bigfoot. It doesn't have to be magical and mystical. It's just science we don't understand, which is the entire basis of when I talk about the electric eel theory, is that it's simply science that we don't understand yet. Just like when the electric eel was discovered at almost the same time electricity was discovered. But if you had discovered the electric eel 10 years beforehand, you wouldn't have any way to describe it because we don't know what it is. Same concept here, guys. I just really wanted to kind of bring that home. Um, yeah, Midnight uh, Night Watchers talking about people predicting earthquakes and stuff. It is such an unresearched field. And I think part of the problem is it, it's kind of like the paranormal world. The paranormal world. We have people that look at Bigfoot. We have people that look at ghosts. We have people that look at, uh, you know, the, the parapsychology stuff, the, the ESPs and all this kind of stuff. We have people that focus on fairy lore. We have people that focus on this and that. But nobody is doing an all-encompassing view. And I'm finding that's what research into frequency and vibrations is like. Everybody taught they do a quantum level or they do specifically sonic levels. Or they, they focus on light levels or all these different things. But there isn't, as I have found yet, one encompassing study of vibrations. Yeah, Jen, you missed that. We were talking about that at the beginning. Um, I did the video I was talking about where he created the portal to Sedona. Uh, I watched all the videos he had on his channel. Um, I, I personally think he just did a great job photoshopping and everything. Um Simply because the, the what he was explaining he was doing wouldn't have those effects. He was only producing a single tone, 528 megahertz. And then he dropped it to 525 megahertz to supposedly open it. Um, that wouldn't really do what it's saying. It's just like playing a single tone or a single note on a keyboard. You'd have to have a lot more complicated stuff happening to create a portal doesn't mean you can't use sound waves and frequencies to create a portal. That's a possibility. Uh, but the videos themselves had a lot of questionable things to it. And then, like I said, it was talking about um, he supposedly disappeared. There was even a Fox News segment about this guy. But the, the, the timeline was all screwed up. So I'd have to dig into it a little more, a little more. But it's definitely interesting. Uh, yeah, Cryptic Cowboy, that'd be an awesome thing to be able to record infrasound. And, and ultrasound and see how it plays into it. Um, 
you can you just have to be able to put the money out to find the right recorders and, and all this kind of stuff so any other questions anything else going on guys what do you think did i bore you to tears that's pretty fascinating uh, topic this, this is the stuff that goes through my head guys and i can't tell you how hard it was to try and to write it down in a, a format that i could get to you guys <laughs> that was great but it, it's really important was. i really think it, i think it's important to understand the world around us and how like i said not everything has to be magical it can be science it's as simple as that we just don't know it all yet also when everybody anybody starts talking to you about how cloaking is mystical or magical so actually no science proves that there are multiple ways that it could possibly be happening we just don't know how yet it's, it's legitimate pretty cool yeah magic is a science i had a friend of mine that specifically used to say an old friend he's not a friend anymore but all he would say is all magic is is simply undiscovered science is all it is all it is awesome well, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Thank you, Justin. And from coast well, to coast, pleasure. around the world, we'll catch you tomorrow on the next show. Good night, everybody.